The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The Ravens, 10 and 5. Playoff bound. Can they keep it going this week on Pod Like a Raven? The Ravens, 10 wins. They've somehow made it to 10 wins this season. Officially going to the playoffs. John Harbaugh, playoff bound for the 10th time in 15 seasons. I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you so much for listening to us this week on a late episode, a late edition of Pod Like a Raven with uh, the holidays that, that have come come up. Merry Christmas, by the way. Happy Hanukkah. You know, Happy Kwanzaa to all you who celebrate whatever you celebrate. Um, we're coming in a few days late based on the Pod Like a Raven crew celebrating Christmas and uh, wanting to take a few days off. So here we are now, looking forward to bringing you all the good news about the Ravens with another win, going to the playoffs. So much fun NFL news, but a couple of things to go over. First of all, uh, you can hear it probably already. Uh, I'm dying, so not COVID officially tested a few times. Very, very possibly the flu. Um, so exactly like Michael Jordan in Game Six, uh, I got my fluids. Um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna really work hard to bring uh, a top a top showcase, uh, a top performance that years from now the podcast lore will look back on as wow what a, what a performance what a performance from him. So when I cough and you know die halfway through this episode. Apologies, just lower that volume and then raise it raise it right back on up. The other bit of news is uh, we got another two-man booth going again. It is just Tim Horsey and I, and I'm going to use this opportunity to bring him in on the East Coast. Tim Horsey, how are you? I'm good, my friend. It's it's weird coming to the, the listeners so late in the... Uh... Late in the week, I know the holidays kind of get screwed everything up. There's so much to talk about. The Ravens have been flexed into our favorite time slot. Greg Roman continues to baffle and frustrate. Um, yeah, let's just get into let's get into this game because frankly, uh, I don't have a ton of thoughts because I don't know if it's the Christmas holiday or the performance is what kind of wiped it from my memory per se. Yeah, the Ravens seventeen to nine at home over the Atlanta Falcons. It was good in stretches, passable in stretches, incredibly frustrating uh, at other times. And in the end, it was what this season has been. A victory, you take it, you move on, and you live to fight another week and wonder who the quarterback is going to be and if you'll ever get your starting quarterback back ever again. Let's start offensively with this Ravens game, the the good things that we saw, running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, a few opportunistic plays from Huntley, a touchdown, my goodness, 
And that was about it. Uh, Edwards and Dobbins in this game combined for 158 yards on 23 carries. That is what we've been asking for, pining for, for weeks. It almost felt like 23 carries wasn't even enough for these two based on the game and how maybe Huntley shouldn't be even attempting 17 throws because he only completed nine of them. Uh, But basically three of them, in my mind, were significant. Three throws, Tim, all game that, that really were enough, I guess. He has the deep sideline throw to Sammy Watkins. Oh, by the way, Sammy Watkins is back on the Ravens. I made a joke about that a couple of times in last week's episode. And of course they signed him uh, immediately. And then he had a great great 40-yard uh, completion down the sidelines. That was one of one of Huntley's big throws. Uh, a deep sideline throw to Mark Andrews in the second quarter, set up the second field goal, and then an actual touchdown pass to a wide receiver. Demarcus Robinson with the first... Wide receiver touchdown reception since week three, and only the second touchdown for the Ravens in three weeks. Tim, there's obviously problems here. We're going to get into the offensive problems, but the positives. We love that they can run the ball effectively in December as we get into January. My goodness, what a team this could be if they had a starting quarterback and any sort of wide receiver based on how effective this run game has been, even with defenses trying to stop it. Yeah, starting quarterback on the field would be nice. Um, you know, the problems of the abandonment of the run game are something that I still have an issue with, especially uh, in crucial moments. Uh, you know, I was kind of – I was going back through uh, old text messages and stuff. Obviously, you know, work has been hectic and what have you, so I haven't had a chance to, like, rewatch highlights of the game or anything. But in our in our famed Pod Like a Raven group chat, this was early in the game – a Ravens running back hasn't gotten a carry in the red zone yet. Just two design run calls, both ending with Tyler Huntley having the ball in his hands. That's the negative. We'll get to that in a second. The positive, yeah, I don't have a ton to say on the passing game. Um, it is what it is with Huntley. We know this. But credit to the uh, credit to Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. Uh, 34 attempts uh, on the ground, 11 from Edwards, 11 from Huntley, and 12 from Dobbins there. They average 5.4 yards per carry. Gus Edwards averaged 9 yards a carry on 11 carries, which is just... uh, The fact that he only has 11 carries, if you want to spin it positive, which we're doing now, I hope that it's just we're saving his legs for the postseason because this, and as we mentioned multiple times in this show, this run game is playoff ready this run game is a valuable asset in the cold weather in the playoffs as long as you keep going to it and stop being scared of it the first time you only get one yard uh, on on some dive play that didn't work so yeah it it was positive to see um, and long may it continue and again it's just that it's another note of and we've talked about this multiple times on this program having your two best running backs in there Makes a big difference. Like, you can talk about the scheme, the scheme, the scheme with Greg Roman. We weren't say, seeing these type of chunk plays from you know who, whoever's in the backfield that isn't named Edwards or Dobbins. So the, to have them both back, maybe not even fully healthy in the case of J.K. Dobbins, but them back and making plays is just – it's a sight for sore eyes, uh, frankly. I, I go back and forth. I was about to say I'm, I'm glad that the carries were split evenly this week between these two guys. I think J.K. Dobbins – last week had maybe twice as many carries. I I might be wrong about that, but I want this number to be even. I want them to do Edwards starts a series on first down 
and he goes first and third, and Dobbins does second down. And then the following possession, they start with Dobbins, and then they go back and forth, Edwards-Dobbins. I cannot imagine in January having to tackle each of these guys when they've only played a half of football, basically, the entire time, because they're being spelled so effectively. The offensive line has seemingly hit their stride, especially in the run game. Mm, A lot of this stuff has just been... There's holes. Remember? Do you remember, Tim? All of last season, where we had 33-year-old running backs, and also there were no holes for them to run into, that problem even started the first half of this season. I want to just say it's Ronnie Stanley. That That's really been the easiest answer to how this has started to look so good. Morgan Moses, too, on the right side, rather than Villanueva. Oh, my goodness. We don't, we don't talk about Villanueva anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's just obvious on on a third of Edwards and Dobbins carries they're not they're not shedding tackles in the backfield they're seeing that first cut exactly as the play is designed or and, and they're hitting it and there's open space or you can see uh, a run that's getting stretched either left or right and you can just see the offensive linemen that are pulling it's just very well designed I'm gonna give Roman a tiny bit you know the tiniest bit of credit here. These run plays are designed so well in that the pulling linemen, it's so clean, and they get to the other side of, of where they need to be without wasted movement, without getting chipped by, by defensive players, and you can just tell as the play is developing, Dobbins gets a pitch, and he's already behind the pulling guard with his hand on his, on his backside, ready to just follow him for at least three yards, even if there's nothing there you know that's going to at least get three yards because the space is going to be made by that lineman hitting the hole. So that has been the uh, an absolute joy to watch. On the Ravens' one touchdown drive in this game, the uh, Ravens ran the ball 11 straight times all the way down the field, and then eventually the, the first throw was an incomplete pass, which, which is uh, kind of funny, but it's fine. And then on third and goal was the second pass that was the touchdown to Demarcus Robinson, but we said long may continue. Run the ball 11 times in a row. Run it until you're stopped. That was a 2019 formula for this team. Obviously, the fold, added fold was Lamar Jackson, also couldn't be touched on a third of those runs, but even with Huntley, I almost want him running it less. I I almost want him having three, four carries by the end of these games. You can run the offense the same way, but I almost want him deferring more to giving the ball up. Number one, if he gets hurt, you're in a lot of trouble. Number two, his his numbers have not been great on his carries. And number three, you have these two guys. You have Dobbins. You have Edwards. They both look like they're getting better and better now, finally, as they've hit the stride as the season season winds down and we hit the we hit the postseason. But that that has been just about the only major positive for for this offense, Tim. Yeah, and I, I think it's one of those things, too. Of, I'm, I'm trying to think, as, as you're talking there, of with Huntley, your offense is incredibly limited. Your offense is limited anyway because of your lack of weapons on the outside. We've talked about this a number of times. But it, it's not this simple because, obviously, these guys make tons of money to think about football plays and what have you. But just if you're only really good at one thing and that thing can't be stopped, break the other team's will with the running game. And you have to mix in a pass or two here and there, but some of the decisions to just galaxy brain stuff just to overcomplicate it when Gus Edwards is getting, again, nine yards a carry on the ground going right up the middle 
just do that. It, it seemed like a lot of the time this Ravens team was getting into the red area and they kind of got away from what made them great all the way up the field. And I get it's a different, you know, the red zone, everything is much more compressed and it's more difficult to score from that area. And I, I understand that completely, but I don't know if it's a case of you want to like have your full arsenal of plays towards the end of the year. And like, you're trying to perfect everything as you go into the playoffs. I almost treat it as if Lamar Jackson isn't in there, keep everything pretty vanilla. I mean, it's already pretty vanilla as it is, according to every very smart football person that you read and watch and what have you keep it as vanilla as possible and then bring your wrinkles in when you have the quarterback that's capable of doing that if he ever comes back and plays in a Ravens uniform, which is a whole different conversation. But I, it's hard to sit here and be hunky-dory about a result that is just sort of – yeah, in the end, it was, a con, it, it was a comfortable win. I wouldn't say it was a convincing win, but there's still so much meat on that bone that – there, there's a lot that's left to be desired, I think. And, the, yeah, like you said, the only positive we can take is that the running game was good. You hope that it doesn't turn into what happened last week against the Browns, or two weeks ago at this point, I guess, where Roman goes, well, the run game worked against the Steelers, so we're going to change it up and throw the ball a lot with Tyler Huntley against the Browns. And then that didn't work, so we're going to change it up and go back to the run game. Hopefully he's learned his lesson and just sticks to the run game against Pittsburgh here on Sunday night. I don't necessarily know if that's going to be the case because we just haven't seen that proven out and we could see, I don't know, 45 pass attempts at the bank from Tyler Huntley and like four J.K. Dobbins runs and and I would be incredibly infuriated, but I wouldn't be that surprised, unfortunately. Yeah, the interesting thing, I think the Ravens won the toss and took the ball uh, in this game, mm. which is not something they really ever do. Right. And I think it was a very clear sign that they wanted to have a lead in this game from Jump Street. And it's so sad to me realizing that how big of a deal that may be to the Ravens' offensive play calling is are they up 3 nothing or are they down 3 right. nothing? And that's concerning because, you know, Joe Flacco won a playoff game in New England throwing the ball four times, okay? Yep. It can be done. It can be done. Um, of course, they had a touchdown on a run on the first play of scrimmage, so that mm-hmm. might have helped the play calling in that scenario, but... You can still run the ball if you are down 3 nothing, And I'm concerned, as as Tim just kind of alluded to there, if the Ravens dare fall behind in this Pittsburgh game, that they will change the formula. And it will be Huntley needs to throw the ball 45 times. I do want to say quickly before we get to some negatives and then kind of move on from this game. Um, credit to Tyler Huntley. This is his, his second win in three games. Um, and it was something that we didn't see a lot. You know, people were doing the praising Huntley thing last year, and could they get a second-round pick for him, what have you. But they weren't winning games, and I know there was many more injuries outside of just Lamar Jackson, but credit to him for at least doing enough to manage a game and making the plays like the Sammy Watkins play, Mark Andrews, Demarcus Robinson play, making the plays that he needed to make to ultimately see out a victory. Again, the second in three games without Lamar Jackson, which is which is encouraging. And I mean, he doesn't get the win for the Denver game, but Jackson right. played like a series or two series in that game. That right. was Huntley's game too, and and they they got the drive in the end to to win that game against a you know a very stout Denver team. Uh, do you want to talk defense, Tim, or do you want to pick apart the offensive problems, or should we just go defense here? Let's just go defense. I, <laughs> we we know the offensive problems. Um, I will I will just I, I'll put in um, 
you know, the offensive problems can be summed up by this text message I sent to the guys. Uh, I'd rather commit seppuku than watch the rest oh of this gosh. game. That was during that was during this Falcons Violent. game because I was just so 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 done with the ineptitude. The defense, Antonio. The defense was okay. I think is the way to put it. I mean, Desmond Ritter in the second half, Arthur Smith, good football coach, made some adjustments and Desmond Ritter looked like a competent NFL quarterback, which in the first half he did not look like that. Um, they, they got, they made some plays. The Falcons did, but it it resulted in a 13 play drive, a 17 play drive, a nine play drive, and then there was a three play drive in there as well in the second half. But 17 plays, 13 plays, nine plays on three different drives in the second half, but they only resulted in six points total, two field goals. So credit to the Ravens defense for doing the bend not break thing. You know, I can hear my dad screaming in my ears, prevent defense prevents you from winning the game. And and I don't know if it's necessarily prevent, but it almost got to a point of <sighs> laziness is the wrong word, but complacency, I guess. Um, I, I, I hate, and Jace picked it out in our, in our, in our group message here uh, during the game. He messaged us and said, by my count, that's the 10th time the Ravens have given up points inside the two minute warning in the first half. They gave up a field goal on 11 play drive to make it 14, three rather than just close it out. It's points on either side of the half for the Falcons, the middle eight, as we talk about all the time, the Ravens just are completely inept in that area of the field, which is super, super annoying. Uh, but overall, I think it was a good performance. Um, and you know, dominated a bad team uh, in the way that they needed to. And also, uh, Fruit Punch was back. That was cool. Marlon Humphrey f- forced a fumble. Haven't seen that in a long time, so credit to him as well. That, Tim, that's the perfect uh, that's a perfect pivot point here for me because the defense gave up nine points in a situation where you basically know that you can't give up 17 points because your offense can't score points. That's the gauntlet for you is you need to – absolutely shut a team down to have any chance of winning and yet uh if there's not that humphrey punch if there's not a couple of very suspect calls by the officials in the red zone that favored the ravens uh and a fourth down stop on the one yard line this could be a very different score uh and i guess in football it's maybe it's not fair to say you know well if they didn't get the stop because they did get the stop and well, if they hadn't have gotten that fumble, well, they did. They made a play, and they got the ball out, and they did recover it. So I go back and forth with that. If you want to force, like, you talk about the importance of forcing turnovers, and they did that, and that's what helped them win. But in the second half, really, at the as, as you mentioned, at the end of the first half, into the second half, Falcons are moving the ball up and down the field. It may have taken an extremely long time, but they were moving it. Uh, they were behind in this game also, which impacted how they would have liked to have played. Um, they probably would have wanted 20 more carries in this game if they could have, as opposed to, uh, needing Desmond Ritter to throw the ball 33 times. That wasn't in their game plan. So that helped as well. But what the Ravens did well, they ended drives, you know, they didn't have the backbreaking penalty in the end zone to give the team a new set of downs on the goal line. They didn't give up the touchdown. They did make the turnover. They tackled extremely well, I thought, in this game. Um, and for large stretches, it looked like the Falcons had no chance of moving the ball. I, I may have texted, is this going to be a shutout? I, I thought there was a legitimate chance. Um, and that didn't happen, but it was pretty close to it. So I, I don't know how much criticism we can give this defense, considering that they did 
play extremely well for the majority of the game, gave up nine points, and they now have given up 14 points or less for four straight games. And that's what you want out of your out of your defensive side in December football games. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's, you know, you could sit here and be an ultimate pessimist and, and pick apart stuff and... You know, they were giving away long drives, but points are the thing that matters. And they were very, very good at shutting the door when they needed to. Also, you know, no Calais Campbell in this game. Credit to the uh, defensive line. They stepped up in a big way. And I think what the Ravens are doing really well, um, and it's something that, you know, this isn't original thought by any stretch of the imagination. This obviously, you kind of like watch the game and you're like, oh, I have a notion of this. And then you pick it up from people on, on Twitter or what have you, breaking down the, the film, as it were. I don't know how people have the time for that end jobs, but credit to him good on him um the two leading tacklers for this game were roquan smith and patrick queen justin matabike by the way seven tackles shout out to him but roquan smith 14 tackles 14 tackles and patrick queen nine tackles nine tackles for patrick queen what the ravens are doing really well even without campbell in the lineup is leaving those guys uh with a bunch of space and leaving those guys basically unblocked. The defensive line is doing a very, very good job of occupying offensive linemen and allowing the two Roquan Smith, arguably the best middle linebacker in the league. Well, Fred Warner, there's one of the best middle linebackers in the league. I'll say that the best in the AFC. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. We'll take that. And then Patrick queen, who's an absolute speed demon allowing those guys to just go make the plays. And I think that's so, so important. When you remember, I don't know if you remember this, Antonio, but there was a lot of discourse in the in Ravens land in the early, in the early aughts, basically, when Ray Lewis, smaller linebacker, uh, f- you know, in, in that era especially, but before they drafted Haloti Nada, and I think before Kelly Gregg really came on as like that solidified nose guard for them in that 3-4 defense, the Ravens made the change from the 3-4 to the or from the 4-3, excuse me, with four down linemen to the 3-4 where it was only three down linemen. And Ray, because of that, there wasn't as much protection in front of him from the defensive line point of view. He was getting eaten up by blocks a little bit. Now Ray Lewis is Ray Lewis, the greatest middle linebacker of all time, so he still made plays, what have you, but he kind of uh, there was there was discourse and you, you could read reports and stuff of before the 2006 draft, he was kind of like, "Hey, you guys need to beef up this defensive line for me. I'm getting eaten alive a little bit here. I need to be free. What did the Ravens do? They traded ahead of the Cleveland Browns and drafted Haloti Nada for him. Uh, that turned out pretty well, I would say. Haloti Nada became kind of not only an absolute force on the defensive line on his own, but also ate up a ton of blocks, allowing Ray Lewis to make even more plays. We're seeing that with Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen here being protected by the likes of Broderick Washington. Five tackles here. Justin Matabike, as I mentioned before. Travis Jones making plays as well. Even on the outside, a guy like Jason Pierre-Paul, who's more of a stand-up rusher, but taking up blockers when he needs to. Adafi Owe, the same. Calais Campbell when he's in here. They have monsters on the front line that are allowing their linebackers to make plays. And by God, those linebackers are great at making plays. Travis Jones getting the the Harbaugh hug uh, post-game, which is always one of the... He picks like one or two guys per game where he does he does the whisper in the ear thing, you know, like, oh, you, this was your game. You did your, or he probably says some cliche, like, you really gave 110% out there. Uh, and then I see if I can try to steal it for Harbaugh quotes. But, yeah, Travis Jones has been an awesome addition, especially with Calais Campbell uh, being her and, and those other 
those other names that you mentioned. I love that the Ravens' defense, the starting lineup now, is officially just two linebackers, four in the secondary, and then Kyle ha- Hamilton just somewhere, somewhere on the field. He's now in the starting lineup. I think I assume he has been for the past couple of weeks, but the first time I noticed it as, no, 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 we are running two linebackers in the starting lineup and five in the secondary with Hamilton just being a rover type guy using his size and and skills next to the linebackers sometimes he's on the end end of the line um and just tackling well and and trying to create create havoc as this hybrid defender that they have so a lot to like defensively uh special teams quickly had another field goal blocked that's fun is it real is our entire special teams just hinging on Calais Campbell on both sides of the ball he blocks field goals and also prevents teams from blocking our field goals. And when he's hurt, we can't do it. Maybe a foolish field goal attempt anyway. I believe it was 55 yards in like a messy, frozen, windy day where like the, the journalist pregame tweets were that neither of the kickers could kick it like 50 yards in warm-ups, and yet they had him go out in a 55-yard attempt. So, of course, he hit a line drive that was blocked, but... Hoping the special teams sorts that out uh, by this Sunday night. Or we just need Calais Campbell back in the lineup, which, again, as with any injury, who knows when that will happen. Tim, anything else from this game before we uh, move away here? Yeah, I mean, the Campbell thing on the on that special teams line is interesting. That Now he's been out that they just can't block for Justin Tucker, who is your most valuable offensive weapon at this point, outside of maybe the running backs uh, with Lamar Jackson out. Um, no, he took care of business, and you know I think this is probably going to be the the episode title, Mary Clinchmas. I guess I thought it was just it just was weird that the Ravens are in the playoffs. Like I know you mentioned this before, the Ravens have clinched a playoff berth of all the bitching and moaning that we have done on this show. The ten and five Ravens are in the playoffs, and I'm still kind of like eh about it you know I, I frankly thought they were going to bomb out they did enough early that that wasn't going to happen uh, but look it, it is it is the merry time of year it is it is uh, not hope springs eternal but you know the new year is coming time for a fresh start and a new slate maybe we just take the win celebrate the win and kind of enjoy the fact that we're going to be watching postseason football in Baltimore. It's a good point, Tim. I, I mentioned it in the intro, but with not even, I don't know, not that much excitement. They've won twice as many games as they've lost. They got to the playoffs again. Some teams never go year in, year out. High Cleveland Browns. Um, and the Ravens do it repeatedly, and they've done it again. I think it's been a season of, I think, we've talked about this before, just about every win was an underwhelming win, much less Overwhelming. I'm not even going to go to overwhelming. Like, none of them were, like, amazing, uh, feel-good, blowout, we were so much better than that team game. So I think because of that, week in, week out, every win has been, yeah, but my goodness, did they try to blow it? My goodness. Yeah, but look at who got hurt. Or, yeah, but when is Lamar Jackson coming back? And we've forgotten the joy that is going to the playoffs, as you mentioned, and playing meaningful games uh, in January with... Look, I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, Tim. You just got to get in. You just got to get a ticket. It's like March Madness at this point. 
ball bounces one way in a playoff game and that team wins, ball bounces the other way and they lose. So they're in, they're a wild card at this point, you know, TBD on the the slim potential of of taking the North back, but it's a good position for for Baltimore, for Ravenland to have at least uh, one playoff game to enjoy. We'll see about that. Uh, All right. Yeah, definitely not that. (laughs) Let's turn now. Two Harbaugh quotes. We're not doing a random Raven this week. There's just two of us. It's a little, it's a little awkward just quizzing the other person. So instead, I'm going to quiz Tim with Harbaugh That's quotes. Say. Um, so let's pull them up now. Tim, I know you had a busy day, busy week with the soccer, with the soccer world. How many, uh, how many John Harbaugh quotes have you seen this week? Yeah, I think <sighs> there was definitely, there might have been one. There might have been one, but I could also be conflating that with last week, just given how hectic the, the holiday season is, um, you know, especially in the soccer world with, uh, and, you know, as we're recording this, the unfortunate passing of, of a true legend in, in Pele. Uh, so that's kind of taken up a lot of a lot of the airwaves or the, a lot of my brain space, I guess, over the last couple of days. So I, I have not seen a lot. Maybe one of these will spark a memory or something, but I think I'm going to be pretty fresh in terms of these hardball quotes and I'm absolutely going to get stumped. Okay, so I will admit, this week, one of them is made up. <clears throat> I had uh, I had really messed with the fellas last week with three real Harbaugh quotes and no fake one, but there is a fake one this week, so let's get to it. Uh, quote number one, John Harbaugh on playing division football games. Yeah, it's always tough in this division. It doesn't matter what the records are, who the players are, especially come December, January games. They're always iron against iron. So that's what I expect Sunday night. That's quote number one. Quote number two, John Harbaugh on whether he gets excited coaching against Mike Tomlin. Mike was a receiver. I was a DB. I don't know what kind of a receiver he was. I might not have been the best DB ever, but as I look at him right now, I feel like I'd have a chance to stay with him. I really do. And then quote number three, Harbaugh on Lamar's injury being a PCL strain or a PCL sprain. Yeah, that's not for me to say. Uh, I'm just coaching the guys that are out there. End quote. So, Tim, I turn to you now. Which of these quotes is a fake quote? So the memory has been jogged. I did hear that. I did see the third one because the third one has caused... A load of controversy on Ravens Twitter, and then there was reporting that um, that on 105.7 The Fan, I don't know if you've seen any of this, there was a report on 105.7 The Fan that said that Lamar has been missing treatments and missing rehab sessions. That was then uh, debunked by Mike Preston of the Baltimore Sun, who spoke with his Ravens sources and said, no, that is absolutely not true. He's at 100%, um, 100% attend- attendance record to these treatments, and that because... Because it was supposed to be one to three, uh, and everybody freaked out that it's been three weeks, and Lamar's definitely not going to play against the Steelers at this point. The clarification that Preston got from the Ravens, which is just it, this is the part that infuriates me most, and I don't think enough people are talking about it. Oh, one to three. Some people have done one to three weeks, so we were optimistic about that. We're just being cautious because of the position he plays and his style of play. So you could have just said four to six weeks from the the jump, because that's what it was going to be. And instead, you were like, well, one to three and just stringing everybody along with the little candy, like, you know, putting like a, a piece of meat in front of a dog. So they run on a treadmill, something like that. Just ridiculous. Um, all that being said, 
I am going to go number two with the Mike Tomlin quote, I believe is fake. And the reason I think it's fake is I think it's too colorful from John Harbaugh. I think John Harbaugh would be like, man, Mike's a great coach. We've had a lot of battles. It should be another, I can't wait to do another, uh, or have another contest with Tomlin. I don't think he's going into the whole, oh, he was a receiver. I was a DB. This is a funny dad joke. I don't think John Harbaugh even knows what dad jokes are. Um, so, you know, doing the self-deprecating, I don't know how good, I wasn't very good, but I think I could keep up with them. I think, I think that one's from the, the flu riddled mind of Antonio Barbera, I would believe. All right, let's go through them. I'll, I'll go to quote number three, uh, that Tim recognized. Uh, it is a true quote. Yeah. It's not for me to say, I'm just coaching the guys that are out there. A seamless pivot from John Harbaugh. I'm just coaching the guys that are out there. However, quote number Two, I'm going to read quote number two next. John Harbaugh on whether he gets excited coaching against Mike Tomlin. Mike was a receiver. I was a DB. I don't know what kind of a receiver he was. I might not have been the best DB ever, but as I look at him right now, I feel like I'd have a chance to stay with him. I really do. It's a real quote from John Harbaugh talking about his interest in coaching against Mike Tomlin. He wants to go 1v1 wide receiver against DB. The fake quote from John Harbaugh, right out of the, right out of the Mad Libs. Yeah, it's always tough in this division. It doesn't matter what the records are, who the players are, especially come December, January games. They're always iron against iron. Tim, you knew I had to throw some sort of yeah. metal clash in there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I expect Sunday night. That is the fake quote, created by yours truly. Truly flew. Yeah, the the flu quote. From Antonio is is that one on uh, on yeah. division games? It truly is a flu game. You got me. Amazing podcasting, amazing podcasting. All right, let's turn to the NFL now. We're gonna do a little bit of a playoff update. Go through some of the fun storylines that we have, but first, it is saddest team of the week time. And boy. Uh, there are some there are some candidates as we as we wind down the season. Tim, is it the Denver Broncos again? Nathaniel Hackett fired <clears throat> after less than one season at the helm. It is tough to do that without having like scandals happen during right. your season, which is what had to happen in Jacksonville last season for Urban Meyer to get fired. <clears throat> Here we go. 34 minutes in, Tim. Here here we go. It's it's happening. Is it the Raiders with Carr getting benched now? And then also just like asking slash being told to just leave the team to not be a distraction? Why is that a thing? I've never heard of that being a thing until this season where Mariota disappeared from Atlanta and then it was because he was hurt or it was because he was having a child or it was because he didn't want to be a distraction. And now I hear it again with... Derek Carr, and it makes no sense why you can't just not be, just be chill, just be a backup quarterback for two games because the season's over. No, he has to be sent away. Is it the Titans, who in this one season had won five games in a row and now have also lost five games in a row and are on the outside looking in for the playoffs in a division that they had all but locked up a month ago? Who is the saddest team of, of the week, Tim? I mean, it's got to be from one of those candidates, right? I don't, I don't think there's any other. I think you kind of nailed it. I think it's funny that 
we have two AFC West teams in here in your final three when that was supposed to be the division that was going to like change football at the beginning of the season. Like, they're the hardest division of all time, blah, 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 and everybody kind of stinks except the Chiefs. Um, who is the other? Oh, the Chargers are in the playoffs. I guess they don't really stink. Good, good redemption story from them as well. Man, I, I'm going to rule the Titans out initially. As we record, they are playing on Monday night with, or th- excuse me, Thursday night. Time is a flat circle. Um, uh, with none of their players, including Derrick Henry, because basically the game they're playing against the Cowboys does not matter. But the reason I'm, despite your your argument for them, I'm taking them out of status team of the week because they they still have a playoff chance. It, it's 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 bad you know it's it's not gonna be good Malik Willis in the playoffs unless they play the Ravens they'll beat us by one but if they play anybody else in the playoffs I don't think they're going anywhere um so they have a playoff shot so I'm keeping the Titans out I'm going Raiders I think and let me let me because I I don't think I don't it's it's pick your poison with the Broncos or Raiders for saddest team of the week here the Broncos I think it's more of it's not the saddest team of the week. It might be the saddest team of the year, but the sadness level has not exponentially grown this week uh, for me to kind of give them the award again. Nathaniel Hackett was doomed from the start. He was only solely, no matter what you say, was solely hired to bring Aaron Rodgers to Denver. That did not happen. And then the uh, the Broncos, excuse me, have new ownership, and that new ownership basically can go. Not our problem. See ya. And pick their own guy and do their own sort of regime. So, yeah, it's a lost season. Yeah, they're stuck with Russell Wilson, who now, if you haven't heard, has now as many touchdown passes as he does uh, bathrooms in his new Denver house. So that's good with 12 on the season. Um, I know that it was the whole thing of he sent his backup quarterback there to yell at the offensive line. He was, like, screaming at a football or something. I didn't watch any of that game, thank God. But I heard all this stuff afterwards. But the Raiders here is is confounding to me. Derek Carr, the man who has been... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And good. I think you could say objectively a good quarterback yeah. for you. You know, I wouldn't say great. I wouldn't say outstanding. But good. You kind of just kick him to the curb. And it's, it's his last season with the Raiders. He has done everything he can for this organization. Everybody kind of knows that they're going to move on from him at the end of the season, but rather wait, excuse me, the final two games and let him play it out. You just tell him to go home and and bench him for Jared Stidham? I, and then you have this team that, doesn't really has some players but doesn't look like it's ever going to compete with the likes of the Chiefs and the Chargers in that division you brought over Devontae Adams because he was buddies with Derek Carr in the first place was like one of the reasons to bring him in they already have this chemistry and you're risking upsetting Adams in some way shape or form although Devontae Adams doesn't seem like that kind of guy you know who's going to throw his toys out the pram or anything like that it just all seems so odd 
and 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 almost like you're making this it's like you're making drama just to make drama when the situation is like you know it's not good but it's not horrendous and like there might be some pieces to build maybe you're like all right let's give kind of car his swan song here and then we didn't even add the josh jacobs element of this if you didn't see josh jacobs post game after the uh after the raiders game against the steelers basically said i've been busting my butt for for what four years now because they didn't give him the fifth year option i've been busting my butt for four years i'm tired of this crap i'm out of here is essentially i'm paraphrasing but essentially what he said in his post-game interview so you're gonna lose him you're gonna lose your quarterback your 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 star receiver might be kind of upset who knows where darren waller and, and hunter renfro are the defense is a mess the offensive line isn't that great there's there's no there's no semblance of improvement here. And now the rumors that are is that Tom Brady is going to make his way to Las Vegas because that was initially on the cards originally back when he was, you know, leaving New England and they were trying to bring him to Vegas and they couldn't make it work and they kept Carr. And so now you're going to bring in uh you know, say it quietly, but maybe washed Tom Brady to play in Las Vegas, you know, single Tom Brady in Las Vegas. I'm sure that's going to go great. I, I don't know. It, yeah, I'm giving all of that, all these factors uh, combining. I'm giving the Raiders the saddest team of the week this week. Weird is the right word there. I mean, just play it out. Just let Carr play it out. Or or bench him, and then he can just stay on the bench. It's, a, it's I don't get it. I don't understand it. It is such a lost season for them. It was supposed to be the, the magical year of Carr to Adams. 140 times because they're best friends. Tim, did you know they're best friends? Did you know they were best friends in yeah, college? Yeah, no, they're, 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 they're best friends apparently. They're really good friends. Um, so yeah, I would I would agree with you that it, we'll, give it to, we'll give it to the Raiders this week. The Broncos can't get it every week, right? Um, I will add myself to saddest team of the week because I'm realizing that I said the Jordan flu game was game six when it was actually a game five. I had to look that up to confirm it. So <laughs> I'm fact-checking myself live mid-podcast, mid so... I'm also the saddest team of the week here. Let's talk playoffs now, Tim. The Cincinnati Bengals. Let's start there. My goodness. Up 22 to nothing. They were one fumble away from blowing the entire lead and game to the Patriots and potentially blowing the AFC North title before we even had to play them, Tim. They could have lost to the Pats, lost to the Bills, the Ravens, win against the Steelers, and then it wouldn't have even mattered. The last game wouldn't have even mattered. But we can't have nice things. No. So the Bengals get this fumble, win that game, keep control of the AFC. The, pa- the Pats are in even worse shape to go to the playoffs. Elsewhere, Jacksonville, we've, we've teased it already, has overtaken the Titans in the set. Well, I should say overtaken. They're technically tied um, with a head-to-head with one last Week 18 game to play. And they're in the, the very odd scenario where Week 17 is completely irrelevant for both of these teams. They can win, they can lose, and they don't advance at all. They will have the same exact outcome based on their head-to-head game in Week 18. And Tennessee legit resting players in their Week 17 game to prepare for the Week 18 game against Jacksonville. The Packers, winners of three straight, they're now making a move because of course, um, but it may be too little too late. The Chargers, as Tim mentioned, grabbing a playoff spot. The Dolphins in free fall. Mamma mia. They've lost three in a row. I believe they're eight and seven right now. I'd have to pull that up. Yes, eight and seven right now. 
whatever the heck's going on in the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Bucks literally try to give games away every week, and their opposition says, no, 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 here, take it, hang on. They're still clinging to first place with a 7-8 and eight record with both the Panthers and Saints right behind them with six wins. Panthers and Bucks in, a, in an almost winner-takes-the-NFC-South matchup this week. Tim, with all of this going on, which storyline, or storylines plural, have your attention for this weekend? Yeah, I have a couple here. Um, I, I think the, the can the Packers really do it storyline is very interesting to me because it, it's very much, and we'll talk about this in the gambling section, much like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Packers, in terms of a gambling perspective, are getting probably too much credit because, in terms of lines because they have a historically great team slash quarterback that has frankly been bad this season. And people keep betting on them because they're like, oh, this will be when they finally turn the corner. This will be when they finally turn the corner. This will be when they finally turn the corner. As somebody who has uh, or had a bet on the Packers against the Dolphins, I took that as a, you know what, maybe they finally turned the corner. I watched a lot of that game. They, they won that game, but it wasn't convincing. And I don't know if the Packers – it'll be crazy to me if the Packers are able to basically back their way into the playoffs at this point. So they have a big match in Lambeau against the Vikings. The Vikings, who are 12-3, and still have something to play for. The Vikings would love nothing more than to send the Packers home. Uh, if the Vikings win, the Packers' playoff odds, and this comes from the article in The Athletic, go down to 2.9%. They lose, It's a uh, decrease of 25.4% in terms of their chances of making the playoffs. The Vikings would love to all but end the Green Bay Packers, and they're still fighting for the second seed in the NFC, in the NFC playoff uh, picture with San Francisco looming as well. So, you know... It's fun to have new teams in the playoffs. I think it would be fun a fun story if the Packers, who were dead and buried a very long, like, you know, early, midway through the season, even just a couple of weeks ago, could somehow make a comeback here and go on a run, although I haven't been super convinced about it. And then the other big storyline for me is just everything going on in the AFC East. Mike White is back for the New York Jets. They travel to the Seattle Seahawks this weekend. I just... I don't have any love for the Jets. I don't. I don't dislike the Jets. The Jets are just the Jets. I, whatever. I don't. I don't think about. You know, I think about them like I think about my pair of boxers in the morning. Not much. Like it doesn't really matter to me. But the Jets here, if they win in Seattle, Seattle is in free fall at the moment. Their playoff odds go up to forty four point seven percent chance of grabbing that final spot in the AFC Wild Card. It increases their uh, chances by twenty five point eight percent. I frankly just want to see if this team, again, wakes up and plays hard and responds to Mike White, who is just a fine quarterback. But because they despise, despise Zach Wilson so much, I mean, to the point where they had to bring in Streveler, some option quarterback guy in that Thursday night game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I just want to see how the Jets respond to that, and I think it'll be interesting. The other part of this AFC East battle is the Dolphins at the Patriots. The Dolphins, as you mentioned, complete free fall. Remember when Tua was the MVP of the league? Do you remember that? That was a thing. Tua was the MVP of this league. Now, he has fallen off a cliff. Everybody's figured him out. Brandon Staley kind of started the train with the the Los Angeles Chargers, it seems, of the defensive scheme to stop Mike McDaniel in this offense. Tua, a horrendous game against the Packers. Probably the only reason they won. The Dolphins now have to go to New England. No... Uh, no Tua Tungavailoa. He is in concussion protocol. So Teddy 
Two gloves Bridgewater is going up to New England. And here's the big one, Antonio. If the Dolphins win, again, these numbers according to The Athletic, if the Dolphins win, they knock out the Patriots. The Patriots can no longer make the playoffs. And the Dolphins' odds of making the playoffs go up to 84.4%. If they lose, the Patriots' odds go to 20.7%, but the Dolphins go to 42%. So if they lose the game, they only have a 42% chance of making the playoffs. It is an 84.4% chance of making the playoffs if they can overcome the Patriots. The Patriots are favored in this game against the Dolphins. It's tempting. I'm not going to lie. I might eat the trash with the with the Miami Dolphins here, but there's... As a, as a spiteful Ravens fan, it's funny to watch this, this, I can say gimmick, even though I don't really believe that offense is being found out this late in the season. But uh, yeah, I, it would be incredibly frustrating as a Miami Dolphins fan to feel like you were riding so, so high. The talk of the town, Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, Jeff Wilson in the backfield, Tua, the, the master of reading defenses and getting the ball out quick. He is, he is the MVP of this league, and it's all fallen flat on its face. So let's see. Can they rebound and in a big, big way on Sunday? We'll have to see. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, Tim, I, I'm kind of wholly against you on that Pats-Dolphins pick. I just – oh, the Pats. It's man. just I don't see T- – Teddy Bridgewater just doesn't scare me in New, in New England. In, in January? Well, that'll be January 1st for that game. Yeah, it's just – oh, boy. And the, the Patriots aren't very good. But they do dumb stuff. They they'll get a pick six or like a punt return for a touchdown. They'll do something ridiculous. I have no idea how many quarters Teddy Bridgewater is even going to make it through the game. That's been his whole career. Is he take Matt Judon's going to hit him one time on the backside, and that'll be the end of from the backside, not on the backside, uh, and that'll be the end of Teddy Bridgewater. And then then you have a third string quarterback playing for Miami. I think the Pats steal that game. At home, it's another joke about it being, you know, cold and the Dolphins not mm. being very good in warm weather games. And two gloves, he goes to the sidelines, immediately puts the, the hat on. He put, keeps the hat on, puts the helmet on top of the hat to stay warm when he goes back out into the field. I'm looking at the, the schedules for those three teams. I'm looking at the AFC entirely. Like, outside of the Ravens as a wild card at 10-5, and five, and I guess the Chargers, none of the other teams... No other team deserves to go, Tim. No, none yeah. of the East teams outside of Buffalo deserve to go at this point. But I guess one of them, one, two, yeah, I guess it's going to end up being one of those three East teams still dogging it out for that last spot. So let me ask you, let me ask you, not not who do you think is going to go? Who deserves to go out of those three? In your mind, just from what you've watched this year, from, from how you've broken <coughs> down the, the league and then, you know, on your day, on your weekly watches of the National Football League, who do you think deserves to go? Because I, I frankly don't have an answer for you. I, you're gonna, you're gonna hate it. I hate it. Uh, I think it's the Dolphins. Even though I just said I don't think they can do it, they've I lost. The I said three in a row. They've lost four in a row. They were in good shape multiple times this season. They were three and zero, oh and I don't know, like eight and eight and three. I think. Would that be? Would that make sense? And now they've they've lost four in a row. Now they're eight and seven. Yeah, that's the math on that. So I want to say Miami because that's the team that I guess like scares me the most. I I watch that team torch the Ravens up and down the field at will. So like I guess I believe that team should therefore be a playoff team. The Patriots stink. Mac Jones yeah, no. stinks. They're going nowhere. They're gonna get if they get a wild card. 
I'm going to be thrilled to bet against them because they're going to lose by 20 points uh, on the road in a playoff game with Mac Jones. Whereas the Dolphins, as a road team, if they were healthy, I think I would be like kind of half concerned with them to spring some sort of upset. They get a couple of deep plays. They get a bubble screen that they busted for a touchdown. Um, And they're like fun and explosive. So I guess I'd say Miami with the Jets second. Um, But even the Jets, you know, I, I don't know. So I guess they, they seem to be the team that like plays for their coach the most and they have like a good defense. And so that's the, that's the jet angle, but I'd have to say Miami is the team that I I think deserves, deserves to go. I'll, I will only, I'll, I'll go one for the jets only because I think their defense and and the, the Dolphins offense is great. And I know, I think the jets defense deserves to be in the playoffs. Um, but the jets also employ Zach Wilson and let him on the field and play for a very, very long time. So maybe for that reason alone, maybe they shouldn't. I just enjoy New York football teams or just sports like franchises struggling because New York has 8,000 of them and they all should be bad. Also, also yes. Uh, also, I'm looking at the, the point differentials. Patriots of the three have by far the best point differential. Of course, they're at plus 27. Jets are plus two. Miami Dolphins, eight and seven, minus five point differential. They've... Uh, had a very weird, weird, interesting season. What about in the NFC, Tim? We have, and you've touched on it a little bit already. I'll ask your the question you asked me. I'll, I'll flip it to you here. Between, I mean, again, the New York Giants, Commanders. I'm not going to even pay, bring in the Lions because I know you're going to pick them. So they're, they're off the table. You can't talk Lions. But between the Giants and Commanders and Seahawks, let's say, it looks like one, one maybe two of those teams uh, will get the wild card. So, which which teams would you uh, do you think deserve based on your your eye test, or just which teams you like? Um, it, it's so interesting here. So, if the Giants win, they are in against the Colts. Uh, they have they have officially locked up a playoff spot. And you know what? Out of all those teams, I think they are the most deserving. I think the Seahawks, nice story, defense can't play. They've fallen off an absolute cliff. The story for them is Geno Smith made the Pro Bowl. Good for you. Um, the Commanders, what are you doing going back to Carson Wentz? Like, I, I I choose to try and avoid the Commanders games whenever I can. I just don't enjoy watching that team. It's not like a I hate DC thing or whatever. It's They're fine. It, what have you. I have plenty of friends who are Commanders fans. You know, God love you. But going back to Wentz is just a death knell for me, and I don't think that at this point in time, I think it's a ridiculous decision, even though Heineke hasn't played that great. And the Giants, man, Danny Dimes has been okay. Kayvon Thibodeau is showing up at the very right moment for that team. Brian Dayball is an incredible head coach, a fantastic head coach. This team doesn't have any talent. Richie James, their punt returner, has basically turned into their number one ride receiver. Some guy named Hodgkins, I think, 18. The big guy for the Giants is like their number two receiver. Dayball had the balls to, even with all the injuries, bench Kenny Galladay, who was just bad, even though he's the paid guy. Remember when the Ravens wanted him, by the way? How much of a disaster would that would have been? Give it, give me the Giants in the playoffs. I think I for the lack of talent that that team has, how in one season they have become an instantly, instantly well-coached, disciplined team, it, it's really impressive, and credit to Dayball for it. 
they get in the playoffs, I think you should win Coach of the Year. And uh, I don't, I don't know if there's a more deserving person in the National Football League. It's another one of those Ravens losses. So therefore, that team yeah, uh, right. is good and deserves right. to be in the postseason. Yeah, I can't can't argue with you there. All right, let's turn now once again for the second time. And the last time this season, it's Steelers week. Ravens at the bank. Two and a half point favorites against Pittsburgh. We had a, we had a nice, tidy 1 p.m. time for this game. And they said, no, you don't deserve that. We're flexing it to 8.30. We're flexing it to primetime because the whole nation wants to watch maybe two touchdowns scored total between these two teams because that's what it's going to be, Tim. That's what it's going to be. We hate it, even though Harbaugh, very, very good in primetime over his whole 15-year tenure. Harbaugh also very good against a rookie quarterback. The Ravens good against a rookie quarterback. There are aspects to this matchup that you have to like. The Ravens' defense, how well they've been playing, Going up against another rookie quarterback in back-to-back weeks. Good luck to pick it, calling audibles with that noise in primetime. And yet it's terrifying. And it's terrifying because there's no Lamar Jackson, again. It's Huntley. It's this stupid offense. It's like our three friends playing wide receiver for this team and their dad, (laughs) hey, Deshaun Jackson. And let's start with the pain point. Let's start with the Ravens' offense against the Steelers' defense. In their last matchup, the Ravens ran the ball 42 times for 215 yards. Can we just get that again, Tim? Can we just say, Huntley, you are going to throw the ball 10 times in this game unless it is absolutely necessary. We're going to hand it left. We're going to hand it right. Dobbins, Edwards, Edwards, Dobbins, Ricard, maybe once. And then back to Edwards, Dobbins, back and forth. And they're just going to keep gashing. And the holes are going to be there. And the crowd is going to be going crazy. And the... Morgan Moses is going to be pumping his fist because everything's moving downhill and the Ravens score two touchdown drives off of the ground game. It, is this too much to ask? Uh, yeah, it is because Greg Roman is the offense coordinator. I think I, we don't need to rehash everything because just rewind the episode back to the beginning and we could say the same stuff. I think for me, the only other thing with this is don't – and this even comes from – not, not just, you know, players, coaches, what have you, but from the likes of, you know, for, for advice for myself and advice for you and everybody listening out there as well. That's the, don't get frustrated after a one-yard game. Don't get frustrated after a one-yard gain than a two-yard gain, and you're like, well, we have to – I guess we got to throw the ball now. We have to throw the ball 14 times in a row, what have you. Keep it simple. Stick to the run game. Trust your defense. Run the ball 45 times. Throw it 15 or whatever. If you go down seven, don't freak out. It's okay. Your defense might be able to make a play. Make it a rock fight. Make it a war of attrition on the offensive side. Make it ugly. Make it unwatchable, not fun. Uh, Except, you know, ripping off five, six, seven-yard gains. But if it doesn't, but if it isn't instantly successful in the run game, don't back away from it. Keep pounding the rock, and I think that's the way the Ravens win this football game. Defensively, in the last matchup, turnovers were obviously the story, but they came against Mitch Trubisky, noted donator of lost footballs. Pickett getting the start this time around. Pickett, five touchdowns, nine interceptions on the season. He's yet to throw two touchdowns in one game. The offense for the Steelers has been bad. 
they've flipped back and forth with quarterbacks all season. Mason Rudolph was in conversations to get a start at some point. That didn't happen. That would have been fun to watch. Deontay Johnson, who should be their number one receiver, he's been banged up for large parts of this season. Can the Ravens' defense... <laughs> what is the number, Tim? And I know you tend to be, like, you know, kind of fun pessimist with this stuff, but a legitimate number of points that the Ravens have to give up for you to feel comfortable that the Ravens win this game. Is it nine again? Is it seven? Is it ten? How many points am I comfortable with? Um, I, I, I'll start with just a little bit of a defensive breakdown. I think, first of all, Pickett, you say nine picks. A lot of them did come early. He has cleaned up the turnover stuff. He got thrown into a gauntlet of defenses. I don't have it exactly in front of me, but... When he got the starting job, they basically threw him right into the fire against some of the top defenses in the National Football League. He made some mistakes. He's cleaned a lot of those up. Um, the Ravens' defense has to be better than it was against the Steelers in the first game. That It was turnover luck, and pretty much that was it. Trubisky kept throwing picks. Trubit, Trubixi? No. Nice. Work. Never mind. Delete that. Um, I, I think that they have to be more consistent. I think that they can't be as bend, not break. And they can't rely on turnovers as much. Um, I think being able to neutralize a guy like Najee Harris and not allowing the not allowing the Steelers to get into third and manageable situations, which makes it easier for Pickett to convert. And then you got to bring the fans. You got to bring the house down. You got to. They flexed Raven Steelers into a primetime game for the first time in a long time, and we need to we need to make it known in Baltimore. I should say too, in Baltimore, not in Pittsburgh. These games never feel like they're played in Baltimore outside of like the Jacoby Jones gate when Mike Tomlin tried to tackle him on the field and what have you. There's been a couple others I know, but it feels like it hasn't happened for a while. So bring the noise here. But, you know, to answer your question. Four. <laughs> yeah, right. One. Um, comf- comfortably? Ten. I'll go double digits. I think if I'm if the Ravens defense gives up ten points and we lose this game, I don't think they they were at fault at all. I don't care if it's a late drive and it was 9-3 and Pickett goes down and scores the game-winning touchdown with no time left. Whatever. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. I, did, I, did, I think uh, 10 – in today's NFL, look, that's asking a lot. Anyway, 10 points, the Ravens should win this football game comfortably. Now, that's not saying they can win it if they give up 13. It's not saying they can win it – or they can't win it, excuse me, if they give up 13. They can't win it if they give up 17, what have you. But I think 10 is – as close to a guaranteed win as you can get. Yeah, I kind of I kind of love that number, Tim, because I kind of see this game being the 13-10, 14-10, 16-13. It's it's and I'm not going higher than that. I'm not doing the 17-14. I don't think we get to that. And it's painful. It's painful because our defense has been so good. And the running game as good as it's been should mean more points. But we can't figure it out inside the red zone. Gosh, I hate it. Speaking of figuring it out inside the red zone, they better figure out the field goal game because there will be several opportunities for that in this game. Touchdowns will be rare. The weather is supposed to be like kind of warm-ish for January. I think it's in the low 50s, getting into the high 40s, mid 40s as the game progresses. That's pretty warm for a January football game, which to me means field goals will actually be things that you can accomplish as opposed to 25 degrees and windy. 
So that's what I think it's going to come down to. And I'm taking, I'm taking the goat, Tim. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna just turn this into the pick. The Steelers are seven and eight. Guess how many wins they have against teams with a winning record this season, Tim? Guess how many they have? Uh, I'm not going to read the the rundown, even though you already put it in there. I'll say two. Thank you for playing along here. It's one. (laughs) It's one. And it was week one in overtime against the Bengals where McPherson missed an extra point at the end of regulation and a chip shot field goal in overtime. And that's it. And the other teams they've beaten are all bad teams with losing records. Uh, I'm going to try to pull it up here quickly as I give you my preview because they've won some games of late and they're getting some buzz and it's like oh my god the Steelers aren't dead yet they might even make the playoffs they beat the Raiders 13-10 they beat the Panthers that's the most impressive one is a win against a six-win football team they lost to the Ravens they beat the same Falcons that the Ravens played and they beat the Colts that those have been their last four wins the Colts of uh Jeff Saturday led Colts with I don't even know which quarterback played that particular week for Indianapolis. I think they're worse than their record, even though their record is seven and eight. I think Pickett is still figuring it out. I think the fact that he's been hurt and missed time a lot of games this season, he hasn't even gotten the full rookie year out of his system yet. He'll have like a fun scramble. He will throw an interception, Tim, at least one. And dare I say, one of them is returned for a score, or almost for a score, into the red zone, where the Ravens inevitably kick a field goal. But we know it's going to be close. We know it's probably going to be a field goal. The line is two and a half. I'm taking the Ravens. And I'm taking the Ravens because it's two and a half. If it was three, I'd be hesitant. If it was three and a half, I'd be terrified. And if it was four, I'd probably be taking the Steelers. But I'm taking the Ravens because I think they're going to be either tied and kick the game winner late, or I think they end up with like a 14 to 10 win where we can't believe that it's happened. How amazing would it be if they could actually have a double-digit win uh, in a convincing fashion at home? It should be that, but until the Ravens get a wide receiver next season, I don't think it's happening. So I'm going to say the Ravens win this game by minus two, by more than minus two and a half points. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at like a 14-10, 13-10 win. I'm going to go through my other picks quickly. 3-0 and last week, by the way, listeners. The Thursday night Jags pick over the Jets was maybe one of my easiest calls of the year. Uh, I had the Ravens da- game predicted to the score, if you want to go back and listen to it. I think I said 17-10 or 16-9, something like that. So pretty close with that. 30-21 and 21 on the season with my picks. I'm taking that Ravens game at minus 2.5. And, and then my other two. The 49ers are traveling to Las Vegas. And the 49ers are 9.5 point favorites in this game. And I'm taking the Niners anyway. They are 11-4, and four. they have won 8 games in a row, and more importantly, they are 10-5 and five against the spread this season. That's pretty good. The Raiders just sent Derek Carr to Arizona, to the spa, and they're, they're starting Jared Stidham. That's a team that has quite literally given up, and I think the 49ers, with things to play for, will absolutely smash this team. I think this is a 20-point win, and I'm taking the 49ers at minus 9.5. 
And my other pick is the Giants are at home against this train wreck of an Indianapolis Colts who are truly trying a different quarterback every week. They did the Nick Foles experience last week. It was bad. He didn't know the offense. He didn't even attempt to throw the ball more than 10 to 15 yards downfield. And when he did, it was picked off. It was horrendous to watch. The Giants at home, as Tim mentioned earlier, can wrap up a playoff spot with a win. Guess who they play the week after? The Philadelphia Eagles. They don't want it to get to that game. They are going to dominate this game at home because this is when they can get a playoff berth. I've seen enough of Nick Foles. I've seen enough of the Colts. It was fun, Jeff, Saturday. The Giants have it all to play for. I'm taking them minus six at home against the Colts. I like them. I like the picks here. Um, So last week I lost the Falcons, won by a point. I won Saints, and then I pushed Eagles plus six away to the Cowboys, although in real life when I took it, it was minus five and a half. And, yeah, that was super fun. I didn't didn't get that one there. Um, Or plus five and a half I had the Eagles, excuse me. Uh, This week, my head agrees with Antonio completely. Completely. In this two and a half screams Ravens. They want you to take the Ravens two and a half. If it's three, if it's three and a half, if it's four, I'm I'm, I'm hammering Steelers. But on this podcast this year, I feel like every time I pick against the Ravens, I say they won't cover, but they'll win. And almost every time that seems to happen. So I'm going Steelers plus two and a half, and it's absolutely a heart pick and hoping that I know none of, none of this matters and how the result will be affected. But in my mindset, it will. So I'm going Steelers plus two and a half. I think the Ravens win by one. Maybe they're down two and Tucker kicks a 68-yard field goal in the, in the swirling winds and the Ravens get away with this one. Uh, my other games here, I mentioned before when we were talking about our favorite playoff scenarios that some teams are getting a little too much too much credit for past achievements uh, when it comes to maybe having a legendary quarterback or comes to having a team that was playoff bound multiple years in a row or dominated the division for so long, what have you. And I'm going against both of those teams this week. The Panthers are plus three away to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I have given the Panthers a lot of crap on this podcast. I went to that horrendously cold football game when the Ravens barely beat the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are objectively a better team than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, in Antonio's famous words, stink. I'm going to take the points with the Panthers in a massive divisional game here, uh, and I'm going to just I'm I, I'm going to hold my nose and bet against Tom Brady. Give me the Panthers. The other one is a game I mentioned before. It's the Minnesota Vikings going into Lambeau Field to play the Green Bay Packers. Now, look, we all love narratives here. It's a lot, a lot of the reason why we fell in love with sports, why I work in sports at this point. You love the narrative of sports. No, nothing in the world can recreate what sports bring. And the narrative, for most people, they're, they're, Aaron Rodgers is a divisive character, to say the least. But the narrative of the Green Bay Packers and their legendary quarterback Aaron Rodgers fighting back from a mediocre season, storming all the way back to make a late playoff run and become a dangerous out for anybody in the NFC – is tasty. It is very, very tasty. But you know what? I'll say it now. The Minnesota Vikings are not frauds. They have been getting too much stick from the media and the fans. 
This team is 12 and 3. Oh, but they're 11 and 0 at one point games. Oh, but their turnover margin is terrible. Oh, they're so lucky, lucky, lucky. Justin Jefferson should be the MVP of this league. The, the stats that he's putting up. He could break Calvin Johnson's all time or a single season receiving yards record. In, in, with two weeks to go, he has a fantastic chance. And the Vikings, yet again, are being disrespected in this spot. Three in the hook, plus three and a half away to the Green Bay Packers. Now, if the Vikings had nothing to play for, and they had the number two seed locked up, uh, I would say, you know what? The three and a half makes sense. The Vikings have everything to play for. They need the two seed to basically guarantee home field unless they go up against the Philadelphia Eagles. And... They would love nothing more to the end the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers narrative. They've already won the NFC North. Now stomp on Big Brother while his throat is down there laying on Lambeau Field. Give me the Vikings plus three and a half. I'm tired of the disrespect with the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, I have Justin Jefferson in two fantasy leagues, so maybe that's why I'm so heated on this. But I'm going Vikings plus three and a half away to the Green Bay Packers. Oh, Tim, I love these. I love these two picks so much. I love the Panthers one because of you know some reasons that we've been talking off and on this season about maybe getting to seven wins is an important is an, an important threshold for me for the Carolina Panthers. But I agree, just because of Tampa. I hate Tampa. I hate them. I would hate them if they didn't have Tom Brady and they had the same exact games happening, but they also have Tom Brady with all these games happening. They win the stupidest football games ever. They shouldn't win any of them. They can't move the ball. They can't score. And then as soon as they go down ten... The other team just stops playing. They played Trace McSorley and the Arizona Cardinals in a game that none of the Cardinals wanted to be there. (coughs) (laughs) The Cardinals take a 10-point lead. Bucks have not been able to move the ball all game, and all of a sudden, they're going downfield. How? By throwing the ball out of the backfield to the running back, out into the flat. They do it four times in a row on one drive and score a touchdown on the same play where the Cardinals decide to never cover the back in the flat four times in a row on one drive. It was infuriating. I hate that Bucks team. I don't want them to go to the playoffs. Go Panthers, go. For that Vikings pick, I almost want to take them and add them to my card. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to stay away for the podcast's sake just because... This all looks too good. The Vikings beat the Packers week one in Minnesota. The Vikings have the record. This line stinks. And I'm afraid that it's going to be like snowing or something and Kirk Cousins like can't grip the ball or has to put a glove on it. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, he can't play in the snow at all. So I'm afraid of it. I'm staying away from it. But I love your two picks. Let the old Kings die. Okay, let's get some new blood in this in this NFL. I'm tired of Tom Brady in the postseason. End rant. Gosh, you got a flu rant out of me, Tom Brady. I hate the Bucks. Anything else, Tim, before, before we wrap things up here? I will just say, uh, according to, because gambling is legal in Maryland now, I'm a little annoyed. I just looked on, on my card here, my official card. Vikings are already plus three, according to the book I am just looking at. So no free ads. So there, the, the blood is in the water, it looks like, a little bit there uh, in Minnesota, but no, let's go Ravens. Can you imagine going to and zero against the Pittsburgh Steelers, man? Like that seems like that hasn't happened in too long. Tyler Huntley. Come on, come on. Kenny Pickett coming to the bank. I let's, let's get an old school mean atmosphere. You can feel the blood curdling and the eyes bulging out of every fan through the television set. 
And let's go beat the hell out of the Squealers on Sunday night, huh? Let's go. I love it. I love it. I'm going to leave it at that. For Tim Horsey and Antonio Barbera and Jay Sevens, we missed you, bud. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. It is Steelers week, guys. Sunday night. Get pumped. A New Year's Day action. New Year's night action. Be there to watch it. And we will be back with you next week to recap all of it on Pod Like a Raven. See you next week.